Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm Brandon David, your host as always. Great show for you today. We have Keegan of Work, the uh, the HR platform and payroll platform designed specifically for the cannabis industry. You might think that sounds boring, an HR platform, but we get into some very interesting stuff, including how many minorities and women are actually working in cannabis companies. This is the guy that sees the facts, sees the payroll. Uh, we also talk about his uh, upcoming A round uh, and why he thinks work can be a billion dollar business. Big stuff. Uh, great episode. I learned a lot. You're going to learn a lot. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Keegan, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I've heard only the best things from people that are pretty close to me, investors, other founders. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. So work is a, a name in the cannabis industry a lot of people know, but I love to ask founders uh, how they describe their business. So how would you describe what work is? Yeah, work is a workforce compliance platform built specifically for the cannabis industry. So we help, uh, cannabis operators manage their labor, help make it more efficient, um, make sure that they can pay their employees in a compliant manner and, uh, and give them the tools to ensure HR compliance across the board. Got it. So I think as an outsider, uh, the immediate question would come up, why do we need a cannabis specific uh, platform for something like this? There's lots of out HR softwares out there uh, what's specific to cannabis about it? Yeah, so there's a number of reasons. Uh, the number one reason is um, most payroll companies, all payroll companies for that matter, don't work in cannabis because they're backed by big national banks. And so what we've seen over time with uh, operators using traditional services that we're, we're used to in other industries, um, it's, it's usually a, either a no up front or after a while of working with them, they get shut down by the bank that's behind the scenes. Hmm. So we've partnered with cannabis banks to be able to process payroll. So we are the only payroll processing bureau right now servicing the cannabis industry. And uh, help me understand what you mean by cannabis banks. What, what does that mean specifically? So there's a handful, I think there's 25 state chartered banks across the United States that are servicing cannabis clients and they bank cannabis operators. And, and so what we've done is we've partnered with a handful of those banks to be able to process payroll for this industry. I mean, fascinating stuff. I think a lot of people will be surprised to find out that there are 25 banks that do this. Um, are they under some scrutiny? Are they in, in risk of, of violation? I mean, uh, I, I know that's not exactly what this interview is about, but so interesting that that's happening at, at a scale that I think most people will be surprised by. Yes. So um, there's actually protection for banks that are banking this industry. That's what why the Cole Memo got put out and the Banking Securities Act in regards to the, the Cole Memo. So there is some protections for banks that do bank this industry. Now, the challenge in the past has been getting federal insurance, FDIC insurance um, for a bank that is banking cannabis. So um, what we've seen is a handful of uh, state chartered credit unions and banks who have different means of insurance that are banking this industry. So um, there's nothing illegal about it. They're not at risk. They are working with their regulators to show that this industry is bankable and is compliant. 
and regulated. So there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes for these banks to be able to service this industry. But um, it, it is known that it's happening. Not all of them are public about mm -hmm. their work in the cannabis space, but there are a handful that are. Yeah, yeah, fascinating stuff, and and seems like solid progress, and we're getting closer, um, which is I think what everybody wants to hear here. Um, okay, so I know work has sort of a, a product uh, suite. There's a, a number of different products that you kind of offer. Um, can you take me through some of those? What's the offering look like? Yeah, so most people know us for payroll, since that's the biggest challenge in the industry. So uh, you know, we do direct deposit, we pay taxes on behalf of our clients. That's all part of our payroll solution. Um, we have a, a full HRIS or human resource management solution, which allows uh, companies to automate, streamline, and, and make sure the compliance behind the scene of onboarding employees, making sure you have all the right paperwork, um, benefits administration, certification tracking, training tracking, et cetera. So anything you really need to store on the employees done in our HR module. Um, and then we have a time tracking and scheduling solution, which allows employees to clock in and out of work and also create schedules for employees. Um, and then that solution really, the benefit there is to build fences around your employees, make sure that people aren't clocking in early or late or taking long breaks or lunches so that you're not losing um, money or unwasted uh, labor expense. And then I, oh, yeah, go ahead, all of this is built on a compliance layer. We do um, 280E tracking and management as well within our time tracking solution. So there's pieces of what we do that are very specific to um, federal um, cannabis regulations. And then there's also pieces of our application that are very specific state by state. Got it. Uh, I want to unpack a, a few things that you said there. The the 280E tool I find fascinating. This is one of the massive issues for any cannabis uh, entrepreneur, the, the fact that they can't write off any of their business taxes uh, at a federal level. Take me through a little bit how that tool works because it sounds incredibly valuable. Yeah, so we partnered up with Nick Richards, who's a 280E tax attorney, former IRS attorney. And we, we pulled out a solution that, one, it takes your 280E strategy, implements it, it executes it, makes sure it happens every time. So um, when you look at labor and the ability to deduct it on your expenses, if the labor is attached to cost of goods or creating the product, um, growing the product, then that labor is deductible. Um, but if that, you know, if labor is associated with selling the product and be being in the, you know, a bud tender in the dispensary, then that labor is not deductible. What we've found working with Nick Richards is there is labor within the dispensary that can be considered deductible. Like if a bud tender is now rolling joints while they're prepared, you know, waiting for the next customer to come in. And right. on, on the grow side, you know, shipping, a lot of different things are, are not deductible. And so we, we build a solution that employees can clock in and out of the actual job tasks that they're doing. And then that, that labor, that job task is um, attached to a bucket of 280E deductible expenses or non-deductible expenses. And so business owners, one, have a snapshot of how much labor is in each bucket. They can create strategies and plans to reduce that tax burden, you know, schedule employees into certain areas of the business so that they can um, try to reduce their tax burden with, with regards to 280E. Yeah, super smart. Um, when you say that they're clocking in and out, this is a mobile app or, or how do the individual employees sort of switch tasks? Yeah, so we've got several different means to clock in and out. We have physical time clocks that are on the, that can be mounted on a wall. We do have a mobile app that um, employees can download and clock in and out from. If they're using the mobile app, we 
geofence it to the location so that they can't clock in while they're at home. And then we have um, PCs too, so they can clock in through a PC, which is protected by IP addresses. Um, and then soon here in the next month, we're launching a seed-to-sale connector where uh, employees will be able to clock in and out from the point of sale or the seed-to-sale system that their company uses, and those time punches then push over to work. Got it. Um, okay, so that's sort of the 280E uh, side of it. Um, for the taxes as a whole, is that something that you charge additionally for? Because you know, somebody that does your taxes uh, generally gets paid a, a pretty good amount, or is that included in the in the suite of products to begin with? So, so we do, it's included in the suite of products if you're using our payroll solution. And this is taxes that are in regards to employment taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so IRS taxes and then your state and local taxes, we, we take those on. And then we also have partners, CPAs, that, um, that take on the burden of the rest of your tax payments. So our goal is to really offer a package solution where someone has a one-stop shop for all of their tax needs. And um, yeah, we're working in 25 states today. Got it. Wow. Um, so you have such an interesting look into cannabis businesses. Uh, and I wonder sort of what your findings are here. You know, um, people, you know, who's working at these companies, how much turnover, any kind of interesting kind of tidbits that, that you found that you'd like to share would be, would be super interesting. Yes. So the one thing that was fascinating is how much the employees in this industry, um, enjoy love or you know really consider the campus industry their career and so there's a, a very high amount of people that are investing their full careers into the cannabis industry however um, those same employees are not recommending their friends and family to come work for the company they work for um, which is a sign of you know high turnover in this industry so I think that's natural with any emerging industry. We're still trying to get a lot of the infrastructure and things into place to make sure that employees have everything that they need. Um, Benefits in the past have been uh, not easily accessible. Now they're becoming more accessible. So it allows employers to really um, entice employees to stick around longer. Um, So we are seeing high turnover right now. um, And as we do in any, you know, hourly, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's retail. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, retail. it's retail in large part. Yeah. Um, so there's a perception that two things in the cannabis industry that there's a lot of young people uh, and there's proportionally more women. Do you do you find those things? I think there is um, more young people in this industry. And I say that because, uh, you know, we we talk and work with a lot of the benefit brokers uh, in the industry. And at first, when they were trying to get um medical benefits for um, cannabis companies, they, they didn't have any data uh, or historical data on the, the employee demographic. So it was hard for someone to sign up to insure. Over time now they've gotten the data and they actually find out that it's a lot cheaper to insure a cannabis company medically because the employees are much younger, they're healthier, and they don't use opioids to deal with pain. So um, we're seeing actually cheaper benefit rates, medical benefit rates than for than traditional industries are. Um, and on wow. the side of women in the cannabis industry, yes, the industry does attract a wide range of, of people, very diverse group, men, women um, of all different races and of all different backgrounds. And I think that's what's really unique about um, this new industry that we're creating is we've broken down the stigmas of other traditional industries and we're promoting um, you know, diversity and inclusion 
And uh, I hope that everyone takes it very seriously and continues to promote that as we continue to grow. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of the hottest topics in society as a whole, but certainly in the cannabis industry. Um, but your perspective is particularly interesting because you you see all the all the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so this shows about investing. Uh, so I always like to ask kind of how that's going. I, I see you've raised uh, about three million total so far, which is not a ton. Which is not a ton, which must mean you're you're pretty efficient with that capital. Um, are you raising currently, or you know what what stage are you there? Um, we are preparing for a Series A early next year, and uh, we are very efficient with capital. And um, so yeah, we raised three million over, and uh, I think we closed in April of this year. Um, with some of that closing at the beginning of last year, and uh, we've put that into. Um, know, expanding our operation into multiple states and expanding our services team to um, provide great support to our clients. Yeah, I mean, some awesome names uh, in this group too. Poseidon, uh, a group that I'm pretty close to, Salvio Capital, Arcview, Rick Kimball uh, of Goldman Sachs and his first cannabis investment. Uh, that's really interesting. How did that come about and, and you know, how do you convince someone um, that clearly doesn't need to make an investment into cannabis? You know? Yeah. So one, everybody wants to invest in cannabis, but everyone doesn't have the, the comfort level um, or the, the risk tolerance to, yeah. to invest in cannabis. And we were a very unique company to come through and raise money because um, our business model is, is, has been done several times. This is, we're not inventing anything new. Payroll has been around for a very long time. Um, we were just applying it to a brand new industry that had very specific needs and where it was a highly regulated industry. So we assembled a team that, that has experience um, building companies just like this, has experience um, servicing clients just like this, and has experience with highly regulated industries. So with, a, with the right team and the right business model, it makes it comfortable for new people to come into the industry. So, um, so Rick and, and several others, um, we were the first investment into the industry, uh, which has been very uh, exciting to see because now, They've expanded into other things, other areas of the industry and are continuing to help support this growth. Got it. Um, And then working towards the A, what does that process kind of look like? I mean, is it about getting a lot of due diligence together? Are the previous round interested in in the A round? Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, so um, yes to all of those things. The The one areas you really have to have the business operating um, and executing to plan and so that's where we focus on is is making sure we have the team that can scale the business you know now we're in 25 states where we're moving from a centralized to a localized presence and having the infrastructure to bring on more clients quicker faster um, and to continue to provide more and more value for the clients so the way that we look at it is is making sure our operations is prepared for that type of growth um, and then making sure we are hitting milestones that we put in front of us um, that allow us to then show that we, you know, that the business is working, it's operating, it still has room for growth and that we have a use for the new capital that we're going to bring in. And, and what are some of those milestones? How do you kind of measure success? With- well, we're, we're a, a SaaS business software as a service. So reoccurring revenue, monthly reoccurring revenue is one of the main drivers. Um, 
and then how many companies um, we have on our platform as well as how many employees uh, within those companies. Um, so we're, we're constantly looking at how many people we're bringing on per company. You know, it takes us about the same amount of time, energy uh, with a very large, com you know, complex company as it does some of our smaller clients. Um, just because these larger clients have a team a resource that can help provide us with the information we need to get them implemented. So uh, we're always looking at how big the clients are we're bringing on, how many employees they have, and, and what it takes to service those clients. And then all of this, you know, generates revenue. And um, so those are the, the key metrics that we track. And then we set certain milestones on, on what we'd like to achieve. Got it. And, and what kind of size round are you looking to raise? We haven't decided yet. Um, so that'll depend on how, how, um, where we can get our monthly recurring revenue to that, that really drives our valuation. And when you look at the human capital management market outside of the cannabis industry, um, it's a, it's a hot space acquisition or, or IPOs per month. And, um, they're typically trading on 10 X revenue, 20 X EBITDA. So we look at, you know, how our revenue growth um, can then drive a valuation that um, is uh, acceptable for what we're doing. Yep. Got it. You brought up acquisitions. Um, how much of part of the thought process is that? And, you know, I think you sort of have to be careful in that. Uh, I think investors only want to hear that I'm here to build a huge business that's going to be around for a long time and return a lot of capital. Um, how much do you think or, or sort of discuss the idea of, of acquisition? Um, it's always a, a conversation. Um, you know, we're very focused on what we do and executing on what we do. Uh, we don't want to be a jack of all trades um, and a master at none. So we're very focused on, on our experience and the team's experience. Um, we do have, you know, things that we see as opportunities for us that will expand our workforce management offerings and so those are, are um, what we'll you know potentially look at in the future but right now it's really about executing on our current business plan got it yeah um so there's a lot of uh first-time founders as well as sort of entrepreneurs that listen to this show people that are thinking about getting involved uh, and i wonder just given that this is your first time mm -hmm. um what's different about it than what you expected um it's very demanding and um, i guess on on the the good side of it is i've i've worked more hours uh, than i've ever worked in my entire life um but i enjoy each each hour that i'm working and i never would have thought i would enjoyed working through the weekends or being in the office um but i i, I really am on the flip is that, side is that really true you you never uh, I guess, uh, have a bad day. You never have a bad hour. I mean, that obviously that, that's gotta happen, right? Yeah. You, yeah. It, it's a roller coaster. There's good days. There's bad days. There's good hours. There's bad hours. I mean, every single day you're, you're, you're going all over the place. Um, and that's just the reality I think of starting any business and being able to deal with, uh, you know, things that change rapidly. And in this industry, specifically, you know, regulations change daily every single time someone gets on TV and starts talking about um, whether they support or don't support cannabis affects a startup in the cannabis industry. And all of a sudden, I have to start fielding calls from investors or customers and all these things. So it, it, is, a, it is a roller coaster. 
However, you know, we're all here building something very unique and special and, and we're adding value to the people that we serve every single day. And we're helping these businesses um, become legitimate and mature and, and operate um, like a normal business does. So it's just very fulfilling, even going through the hard times. It's, um, you know, you got to remind yourself, you know, what you're really working on here, how much bigger this is than, than the problem you're trying to solve at that moment in time. Yep, absolutely. Um, so you went the kind of accelerator route, Canopy in spring 2016. Um, looking back on it, how crucial was that? Was that was that the right move? Uh, absolutely. Um, before that, I was by myself working in my apartment. You know, I had some partners that were scattered across the the U.S., and it was really me trying uh, trying a solution to see if it, if it would work. And um, I I grew to three customers at the time. I got into Canopy, and realized through the help of the, the Canopy team how big the opportunity was in this industry and how big the needs were in this industry. And so it helped me move my mindset to create a organization to service a much larger audience, build a team that could service a much larger, larger audience. And uh, it really just helped me think big. And, um, and then it helped me structure the business so that we were investable. A business like this needs capital to get off the ground. It needs a lot of capital to get off the ground. Um, you know, processing payroll, moving money, paying taxes, all of these things are very labor intensive um, uh, jobs or opportunities. So it, it um, can't be really helped me understand that and help me assemble the right team and just think about the business in the right way. So it was instrumental in where I am today. Got it. Yeah. Um, I think the other kind of conception about accelerators, incubators, is that so many of the companies fail. Um, as you look at your class, um, you know, who's still around and who do you think is really, you know, adding value today? Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to call people out specifically, but to the, to the general idea that you're bringing up is it, it's tough to start a business. And I think, you know, the stats are out there. One in 10 businesses fail uh, with the, or one in 10 businesses succeed within the first year. And it's really challenging. And you know, the purpose of the accelerator is to be a resource um, for you and your business. They don't take over running your business. They don't raise money for you. They just help you connect the dots so that you can continue to raise. You can meet investors. You can bring on a team. You know, it's just a resource. And so, I think where people succeed or fail in in an accelerator or an incubator model is where. They think because they're in there that they're just going to all of a sudden have money now mm. and they're going to all of a sudden have the right team around them and that they don't have to work for that. And that's, that's not the case. And I guess how long did it take you to realize that or did you go into it sort of with the, the right mindset that this is a, a tool in the toolbox, but, but in no way a, a silver bullet? Yeah. So I, you know, I originally went into the program with the thought that I was going to use it for, um, increasing brand awareness and, and, and finding more customers. And uh, Micah Tapman at Canopy sat me down. And when we started talking through the opportunity in business, you know, and I started realizing there was, this was a much bigger business on, on my hands that I needed to, you know, really think about how this thing could scale. Uh, I started focusing on creating one, a business that was investable, 
um, and, and creating a business that could scale. And, and I had to have that in place before I could get people to invest in me. And so I focused the program on really creating that business infrastructure that I needed. And, um, you know, I've been doing workforce management for almost 10 years now. So the, the product side of it, the service side of it was something that I already knew from, from my history, my past, and the team that I put around me already had that. So then it was really about how can we get this business to be scalable, um, and support, you know, the needs of this industry. Well, that's a pretty awesome endorsement for uh, for Mike uh, as well as Canopy. He was on the show about a year ago. Oh, uh, cool. Wants to go check that show, uh, check that episode out. Um, yeah. So because you're an HR company uh, in the cannabis industry, I kind of wonder the way that you think uh, about HR. You know, what's the office culture like uh, at work? Yeah. So so I've you know part of my past has been, you know, consulting, labor consulting. And um, so I've sold technology, I've consulted with um, a lot of different size and types of, of businesses, um, predominantly in the retail and distribution space, a lot of big box retailers. Um, so I, I look at labor or people or team members as the biggest asset in an organization. They're typically the largest spend from a business owner, but they're the largest asset. They're the folks that are in front of your customers. They're the ones who are driving revenue. They're the ones selling. They're your brand ambassadors. So uh, my thought is how can I support these people and give them an environment that they enjoy coming to every single day? How can I surround them with people that they enjoy being around every single day? And then how can I create opportunities for them to grow and expand? And so we, we try that here at work every single day we've got a very cool office environment it's um makes it very easy for people to work together and talk so it's kind of a co-working type model um so you know our sales open, team gets it next. Floor plan, yeah. exactly open floor plan yep um so a couple kind of key things that i've found in a lot of cannabis companies um yeah. is anyone consuming cannabis in your office no absolutely not never not uh not after hours or happy hour, there's, there's sort of no cannabis as part of the culture at all. That's no, we're, we're a compliance company. We do work in the cannabis industry. Everybody on our team is passionate and supports the growth uh, and the legalization of cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, what people do on their personal time is, is not the company's business, but when we're here at work, we're working and uh, we don't allow people to start taking shots at lunchtime, just like we don't allow folks to start, you know, consuming at lunchtime. And, um, and, and that's going to be our policy. We, you know, we run this just like any other business um, and any other industry and our customers trust us with their money. Um, and so we, we've got to make sure that everybody is coherent and, and ready to operate at all times while on work hours. So the other thing that I hear, um, particularly, I think uh, I, I live and work in San Francisco, is a lot of people going to their HR department and saying, well, I need cannabis for some medical reason. Um, and you can't deny me the use of my medicine, regardless if I'm at work. Have you run into that yet? And, and sort of what's your response there? We, we have not, but it, that's, I mean, as we are supporters of the industry, that's something that we would definitely um, take into consideration and, and understand what's going on and, and then support that employee. Um, you know, we are advocates of this and we do believe in this um, uh, and, and the medical benefits uh, of the plant and this industry. So 
we would take it on a case by case basis and, yep. and, and we would acclimate that into, to what we're doing here. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, tell me a little bit more, uh, about the team. Uh, I see you're close to 30 members now. That's a, that's pretty good growth, um, for a company that's, that's only raised about $3 million total. Yep. We're, we're growing very quickly and, uh, we've got, you know, a customer base now that's in, in 25 different States. So we, we need a, uh, a good sized team to support a customer base like that. And we're continuing to grow, um, every single month. I think we're averaging 15% month over month growth over the last six months. Wow. Um, so and we require a big team and we'll continue to grow to support. How close does that put you to profitability? Um, I mean, we're, you know, a startup company, so we're, we're reinvesting everything we have to continue to, to grow. I mean, there's 220,000 employees in this industry and that, and those are just the ones that touch the plant. So when you look at other ancillary businesses, which also have a challenge with finding technology and payroll for their businesses, we have a large market to go after. Um, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about how the, how the suite is sort of uh, customized. The compliance is, is specific to state to state. Um, I'm going to ask about California because I'm in California <laughs> and, and it's also uh, like the sixth biggest economy in the world or something like that. If it were a country um, looking ahead at what 2018 and beyond means, uh, you know, how different is sort of selling into California versus Colorado? So we, we've actually been in California for a while and we, we've learned a lot about the market and um, you know, we plan, we're, we're opening an office here before the end of the year in Los Angeles. Uh, we've got clients, a handful of clients in all of the major cities. We've been very selective about the folks that we work with because we have to be. You know, for us to take on tax liability, we've got to make sure that people are running a compliant business. And um, and that's what we've found. It's been a challenge with some of California is, you know, folks haven't been paying their taxes, folks haven't been doing certain things, and then therefore we just can't work with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the companies that um, are pretty um, public about being very compliant and very transparent are the ones that uh, we have gravitated towards. And then, you know, as we see the regulations get put into place, um, will help us, you know, narrow our focus on the folks that we are we are allowed to service, essentially. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, if there's sort of a black market company existing, uh, do you offer any kind of like migration package, or you know, like what if I want to switch from a PC to a Mac? Like, can you can you help me there, or or it's just I'm not I'm not ready yet. So we we can't, if someone has has been paying employees under the table and hasn't been paying taxes, then it, we, we can't service them. Um, however, we do have customers in California, specifically Northern California, that are creating co-op working spaces. So, you know, they bought a big piece of land. They've made sure that the land is completely compliant with um, you know, Department of Agriculture, Health, things like that. And then they are helping folks that have been traditionally in the black market come and create a business that is compliant and regulated. And so we're supporting organizations like that, that are helping these folks, um, you know, you know, lifetime long businesses, uh, multi-generation businesses who want to keep, you know, who have a lot of skill and what we're, what this industry needs and helping them get to a mar- uh, a business model that um, the state approves of. And so that's how we're helping um, some of yeah. those folks transition. 
tremendous opportunity for a number of companies there to sort of help them get uh, into the light. Um, okay, so outside of California, uh, what you know, what does growth look like? Um, you know, what what's the future of work look like? Yeah, so um, we're going to continue to expand um, state by state, and um, we're now spending a, a lot of our time um, actually working with the state of California and other regulatory bodies on figuring out how to bank the industry. Um, since we are responsible for remitting so much tax for the industry, we've become a, a common uh, attendee to um, how this industry is going to be banked, and we're helping banks understand how to bank the industry. So um, that's where we're spending a lot of um, of our executive time is is helping move the needle on those issues. Um, we're already built out for all 50 states. We've been um, prepared for rapid expansion um, before we even launch the business. So um, we'll continue to expand, support, add additional services to um, to service the needs of our clients as they continue to expand and grow, and um, and hopefully help move the you know help get 280E removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at, we're actively lobbying for that, um, and then hopefully hopefully open up some more banking channels. How much of the sort of improvement in policy, 280E, more banking options for cannabis, do those things sort of limit or add to the potential for work? Um, I mean, there's multiple ways to look at it. Um, but our the way that we're trying to, I mean, you know, we, we have this 280E solution, for instance, and, and we don't charge any of our customers for it. And I, I don't want um, our business to be reliant on revenue um, at the hands of, of our clients. Um, so we're continuing to push for the right regulations that make sense for this industry. And we're supporters of this industry and our business will move and, and flex to, to however this industry continues to shape up. And so, yeah, oh, that's a good answer. Um, how big can this business be? Um, in what sense? Uh, however, since you, I mean, uh, maybe I'll, I'll ask the question differently. You're going out to raise an A, which probably means you're looking, you're talking to in, institutional investors soon. And uh, the venture model classically is to invest in businesses that they think can be billion dollar companies and return the rest of the fund. Uh, can this be a billion dollar company? Yes, I think with a fraction of the market, I think we we did estimates by 2020. If we have 10 to 15 percent of the market, this is already a 250 million dollar um, valued business. Mm-hmm. And as we increase our market share, um, you know, this becomes a quickly a half a half a billion to a billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. And as we continue to grow and, and, and scale and look at new offerings and revenue channels, um, I, I do believe that we've got a chance to. Um, to be one of those companies, it's just going to really, um, you know, we don't want to lose focus along the way. And so we don't want to take on anything until we really um, have what we're doing dialed in. And so that's the, that's the plan of attack for now. And then we'll, um, we'll see how this thing shapes up. It's also going to, you know, depend on how, how quickly regulation happens. The more, the quicker we can um, legalize states, the more customers we have to service. And so uh, that's really where we put a lot of our focus and is helping those efforts. Well, that's incredibly exciting. 
Um, that's that's a big, big opportunity. And I'm sure investors are going to be excited to hear that as you have those conversations over the next couple months. Uh, I want to switch gears here. Uh, last question. I love to connect uh, sort of the work you do during the day with what kind of, uh, I don't know, cannabis consumer or, or stoner you are. I know that you guys don't consume anything in the office, which sounds smart to me. Uh, I cannot believe how much cannabis is consumed in some cannabis offices. I'm sure you've experienced that. But at the end of the day, uh, or on a Saturday, even though you said you work on Saturdays, um, (laughs) what kind of consumer are you? Uh, You know, flowers, concentrates, vape pens, what what are you into? Yeah, so I I usually carry a Pax Era on me, um, and and that's that's my... uh, way of consumption. I, I, I'm not a huge consumer by day or in social environments because I, I get kind of awkward. So I, uh, I'm a bigger proponent of, um, of edibles at home for, uh, for sleeping reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that era, uh, what, what kind of oil, uh, indica, sativa, do you have a favorite? I've been, um, I, I like the, um, the distillates that they have, the flavored distillates. Um, okay. and, and really for me, um, consuming is is helping others um find the product so i try to find things that are a little bit different um so that new people who are interested in cannabis but you haven't had the chance the the right environment the safe environment to try it um that they will have a good first experience so um the distillate pens uh i think the sweet mint is what i've been um um carrying around from the lab and um and uh with the pax era lately yeah yeah, sounds great. Uh, I love what you said there that you try to find products and experiences that sort of newbies can enjoy. I'm much the same way. I feel like I don't care about consuming with huge, huge stoners. Um, I'm more interested in, you know, your stepmom who's never had anything before and, you know, wants to sleep a little better. So, um, yeah, that's that's really cool. Sort of a organic way to, to grow the industry that way. Uh, well, Keegan, thanks so much for joining us. I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. This has been uh, super Super interesting. Uh, Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you next time.